All right, um, we are in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Last Sunday, we went through part of the account of um, Lazarus, of Jesus uh, you know, coming and, and uh, raising Lazarus, and, um, but we got kind of stuck on the words of Jesus that we then find in the funeral service. So we actually walked through the funeral service because it is really a wonderful way of proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news of forgiveness of sins, of the resurrection of the body. That whole funeral rite is just loaded with gospel comfort. And so we spent some time last Sunday going through that. So now we are in John chapter 11, and we're going to pick it up here at verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, you can just stop right there, right? If Jesus is calling for you, rise quickly and go. <laughs> Always a good, good advice there. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So um, there is a sense of communal mourning that happens, which we used to be better at than we are now. I think we, well, when someone is in mourning, I think uh, our first instinct is, to avoid because it's uncomfortable, right? Your mourning is causing me to be uncomfortable, so I'm going to avoid you. Now, we don't think it that you know through in quite those stark terms, but that t- does tend to happen. <clears throat> why do we avoid someone when they're grieving? I mean, why are we uncomfortable in that context? Mm-hmm. You see someone who's lost a loved one, and it's like so heavy. Okay, it is heavy, and now, now we're sharing that weight where we'd like to avoid it. Why do you, yeah, exactly. We just want to keep floating. Yeah. You know, we don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Well, the flesh tells us that we can do all kinds of things, right? And then when we see that we can't do anything, then we avoid it, right? We turn our head away. Yeah, so... I can't make things better. Right. So because I can't come in and just fix it, right. I'm going to avoid it. I'll avoid it. Yeah. You never know the grieving person's response to that <laughs> grief, whether you will make things worse by acknowledging um, or whether, you know, whether you'll say something wrong or mm-hmm. in their opinion. 
yeah, you're, you, there's a fear, right? A fear that I might make things worse. Um, you know, I, but I think, I think, um, you know, we don't have to be like Job's friends and try to come up with the answers for them. We just need to be present, right? Mourning, you know, we, we, um, celebrate together we weep together and so we don't have to have the answers we don't even have to have the right responses we can just be present um, and it, a lot of times that's what's needed in the moment um, we don't you know I think it can be detrimental to try to explain everything in the moment um, but that's uh you know, I think we feel like we should should be able to do that. Thanks, Marty. <laughs> um, okay, but uh, in this case, they are accompanying Mary as she goes out because she, they think, well, she's going to the tomb to weep. We'll go with her and be present with her. Right? There is that communal mourning, which is good. Um, but there's also that. Uh, something that we see in, in, in scripture where the communal mourning can sometimes be um, a performance, not actually just being there and weeping with them and mourning with them and being present, right? That's not helpful either. <laughs> um, you know, that, that is not the answer. Okay. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Um, so this is both a confession and a rebuke in a way, isn't it? Could you talk to God like that? The psalmists definitely do, right? Uh, sometimes people feel like I can't pray honestly because it'll make God mad. Well, he already knows it. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> okay, so you know what you're doing? You're deceiving no one, right? If you're angry with God, what should you do? Tell, Tell him you're angry with him, right? Now, you're... Anger is, you know, it needs to be submitted to, you know, being under the Lord, right? So ultimately it needs to be in faith, ultimately. But if I'm angry with a person that I have a strong relationship with and I share that anger with them, um, well, now they know and now I've gotten it out and now we can deal with it. Uh, that happens in the Psalms a lot. You see this pouring out, right? And then it ends with trust. It ends with, okay, but, but I know the Lord. I know his character. I know that, that God will work all things for the ultimate good. But you have that freedom to, when you're angry, tell God that you're angry. It's okay. Just don't curse the Right. Don't take Job's uh, wife's advice. Yes. Yes. Bad, bad advice. Yeah. Okay. Um, but she also is saying, you, Lord, you could have helped him. Right? 
verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and the spirit uh, in the spirit and greatly troubled. So it's interesting because um, when Martha greets Jesus, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary says something very similar. You think they had been talking about this? <laughs> Where's Jesus? Why isn't he here? If he would just have, if he gets here, he can save Lazarus. And after Lazarus dies, the conversation would continue, right? What? If Jesus would have shown up, he could have, he could have helped him. He could have healed him. Why didn't he come? Now, Christians ever have conversations like that? Right? Well, the Lord could help here. Why isn't the Lord helping here? The Lord didn't answer the prayer that I wanted it answered. Um, Lord, why didn't you do that? And you, you talk to each other about these things sometimes, right? And sometimes it's, uh, it, it feeds on itself. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm sure those conversations were, were happening. Um, now, it's okay to have those conversations. But then we ultimately need to be directed back to those words of comfort, those words of, uh, of, of God that are sure and certain. Um, it's, it's okay to ask questions, but ultimately we got to go back to the Lord and, and, you know, trust in him. Okay, so, um, so Jesus sees her weeping and the Jews weeping, and he is deeply moved in his spirit and what? Greatly troubled? Jesus? Why is Jesus greatly troubled? No, he doesn't. He does not like what sin does to his people. That's a good way of saying it. It hurts. It causes harm to everybody. Um, It causes brokenheartedness. And, And Jesus sees this and he hates what sin does. Um, so he is greatly troubled by sin and its its impact, its effects. Okay, so verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, right, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Now, I think it's fitting for that to have its own verse, even though you could say, well, it could fit in with the one before or the one after, right? Because the verses are artificial. <laughs> uh, somebody came along and, you know, inserted those. But think on that for a minute, right? God wept because of death. Can he relate to you in your mourning? Yeah. Does he know the pain that is brought by the death of a loved one? He does. So we don't have a God who can't relate to us. We have a God who absolutely relates to us, who understands us. Um, you know, Jesus wept. He, he wept 
Now, we don't have to go very far, and we know he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's already said he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? I go to wake him. (laughs) But he's weeping in the moment. Well, what does that tell us about our own mourning? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. When we are, when we, uh, you know, a loved one has died, we should mourn, shouldn't we? Uh, well, what if they're a Christian? We shouldn't mourn. They, we should celebrate there with Jesus. Well, okay, it's a both and, though. Their soul is with Jesus, but we weep because death is awful. It's terrible. And it's a consequence of sin. And, well, Jesus wept, right? Um, but again, we go to First, Corinthians, or First Thessalonians, right? We, we grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope, right? Because we have the sure and certain hope of resurrection life in Christ. So should we grieve at a Christian funeral? Should there be tears? Yes. Yeah. But, but, but could you laugh and smile too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all appropriate. Because we mourn, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. We can remember the you know, blessing that that person has been to us, and we can anticipate, man, resurrection life is coming. Uh, so all of these things are, are perfectly appropriate for us. Okay, so Jesus, uh, Jesus wept. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. Well, correct or incorrect? Did he love him? Yeah. John already told us that at the beginning, right? Um, at, at the beginning of the chapter, that uh, um, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, right? But then, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Remember that? Yeah. It's like, wait, that doesn't add up. But in our minds, it doesn't. Okay, but... They say, see how he loved him, and he, he certainly did, right? Now, at a Christian funeral, right? Here is someone who maybe went through a long period of, of agony before death. Can we say, well, see how God loved this person? Yes, absolutely. Well, couldn't he have delivered them from that? Yeah, we don't know, we don't know why he didn't do it in that time frame but guess what he has delivered that person um, so um, yeah so, all right so see how he loved him verse 37 but some of them said could could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying well could 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 he not have done that yeah he could have he could he could have kept Lazarus from dying he didn't even need to be there Why didn't he? Now, in this instance, Jesus gives us a a, a little bit of an answer to that. But sometimes we don't get to know the mind of God, do we? No, most times not. Most times not. Why didn't God do whatever it might be, right? And we might really think on that and really try to figure it out. And, you know, the answer is, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. 
but God knows. And we leave it in his hands. Right? He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and we leave it in his hands. We don't know, but he knows. And in this instance, he makes it clear, right? Why doesn't he come right away? For the glory of God. Okay. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Um, sound familiar? <laughs> We're going to see something very similar to that not long from now in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. They're not unfamiliar with death. We've sanitized it so much that we can have a funeral a month later, right? And the body is there and it's been, you know, preserved and um, all of these different things. And, and we are not dealing with any of the, you know, instant impact of death um, as far as odors and such. Uh, but there's a reason they buried people very quickly in the ancient world, right? They didn't have any of that. And so you needed to take care of things in a pretty quick um, manner. Um, and to unseal a tomb four days after someone has been buried seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> I can remember when I, um, I was on vicarage, um, my brother was on vicarage and we, he, ha he owned a house in St. Louis and he had left um, a, the freezer uh, filled with some meat. At some point, the power had gone out and the fridge never kicked back on. The circuit blew or something, I can't remember. And I went to the house to check on it. I walked in and it is the worst smell I have ever smelled in my entire life. It was awful. And we figured out what had happened pretty quickly. And uh, so to deal with this, we, we opened up the back door and had a big trash bag in the back. I would run in, holding my breath, <laughs> grab as much rotten meat as I could, take it, put it in the garbage uh, outside and then breathe a little bit hold my breath run back in <laughs> it was awful it was awful and that's the kind of smell that they would have been anticipating it's going to be awful right? no we don't want any part of that uh, but you know what did God the Father say in, 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 in our sermon this morning if you were here for early service All right, this is my beloved son listen to him. It tells you to do something, do it. Don't question it. Don't wonder why. Just do it. So 
Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So, are you not listening to me? (laughs) Right? I already told you this. Listen up. So they took away the stone. Now, that's an act of faith, isn't it? Dead men don't rise from the dead. Except when the Lord decides that they rise from the dead. <laughs> and uh, here he's, he's saying, yeah, roll away the stone. I don't understand what you're doing here, Jesus, but okay, I'll roll away the stone. They do, okay? And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had heard, uh, said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Now, why do you suppose he named him? Why does he spoke his name? Well, we didn't need a general resurrection just yet. <laughs> if he had simply said, you know, come out, he could have called all of the dead to rise if he had so chosen to do so. But he calls for Lazarus, right? Lazarus, come out. Well, does this take you back to anywhere else in Scripture? How about Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones? Here are these dry bones. Can these bones live again? Lord, you know. And what does the Lord say? Speak to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. And he does. And they come together. And the the, the flesh covers them and uh, skin covers them. And here you still have dead bodies, though. And he says, now what? Prophesy. Right? And by the power of the word of God, these dead bodies are made living again. Now, that's by the power of what? The word of God. Well, here's the power of the word of God again. Lazarus come out and Lazarus does by the power of the word of God. Well, why is baptism actually effective? Why does it do more than just get you wet? The power of the word of God. Why, when we gather around the altar, do we receive not just bread and wine, but the body and blood of Jesus? By the power of the word of God. How can some middle-aged guy speaking in front of a bunch of people actually um, have revival happening right here because what's happening? People are being raised by the word of God, right? It's not, it's not anything I do. It's what God is doing through the word, right? Uh, so death is made alive again by the power of the word of God. So 
Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, <laughs> his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in, uh, with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Um, death has no grip on him now, right? Unbind him. The, the, the binding of death is undone. Um, now, a couple things on Lazarus. First of all, there, there is a theory that's kind of an interesting theory that maybe that wasn't actually his name, but that it was a pseudonym used because of the, the parable Jesus, well, maybe parable, the, the, you know, the, the account you know, Jesus uh, with uh, uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Um, because what happens after this? Well, we want Jesus dead, but we got to get this Lazarus guy dead too, because if he's living, <laughs> um, that's, yeah. <laughs> People can go to him and be like, yeah, but we know he was dead and now he's alive. Uh, so there, there, there is a theory that, you know, some have, have put forward that maybe, you know, it was kind of a pseudonym to, you know, conceal his, his identity so that, you know, he would be not so easy to hunt down and kill. Um, maybe, I don't know. It's, it's a theory. Um, but regardless, here is living proof <laughs> that Jesus is who he says he is. And you would think at this point, everybody's going to be on board. He raised someone from death to life, right? Not even, and you couldn't be like, well, maybe, maybe they weren't really dead. I, four days in the tomb, they were really dead, yeah. Um, so why do, why do some not believe? I mean, just like you just told the story about Ezekiel, they a pretty powerful prophet. Right. You know, they rationalize in their head because... You know, they, they, their eyes are still scalable. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we harden our hearts. Right. And, uh, so harden your heart doesn't mean like we're like a totally oppositional, but you'll make an excuse. Right. So yep. they'll say, well, he's a great prophet. Did mm-hmm. not Ezekiel do this? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We are by nature sinful. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're spiritually dead, enemies of God, blind to the things of God by nature, by our sinful nature. And it takes a miracle of God to break through that. Um, so, time, okay. So Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. This is so that who is going to be glorified? Yeah, does Jesus seek the glory for himself? No. Now, here's the thing, though. The Trinity, the, each one is always glorifying the others. <laughs> they never seek the glory for themselves, but for the others. So they are always um, seeking the glory of, of the other. Uh, and, and this is a wonderful you know, image of how relationships should work for us as well. That we would not seek glory for ourselves, but that we would seek glory for, you know, those that we uh, are, are, are around or seek, uh, you know, that they would be honored. Not that we would be honored, but that we would um, see others around us honored. Uh, and then they'll take care of us. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, so Jesus uh, 
raises Lazarus from the dead. Verse 45, many of the Jews, therefore, who came, who had come with Mary had, and had seen what he did, believed in him. You would think so. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. Oh, I don't know. Maybe believe the signs. <laughs> maybe that's what you are to do, right? Remember, signs in John. That's the, the word that is used for miracles. But signs is a really good, for it because, a good word for it because it is a revealing that points to something, right? Those signs point to the reality that Jesus is who he says he is. Okay, but uh, this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. What are they most concerned about? Our place and our nation. They are concerned about their status in the world. Well, we might easily think that's, you know, we would never fall into that. How easy is it to fall into that, though? Yeah. How about if your job is threatened? Right? How about if your reputation is going to be destroyed publicly? It's easy to cave in on that. Also easy to cave into peer pressure. Yeah. Should I say anything because this is the status quo and, and maybe uh, maybe I should just leave it to the leaders to make mm. decisions and not do anything? That's... Yeah, somebody else can be responsible. Yeah, it's easy to, to think, well, it's not my job. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will speak you know, the truth here. Um, and, and yeah, we can come up with all kinds of excuses for... Uh, for our unfaithfulness. Yeah, uh, there's another angle on that too. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And in our place, our, yep. like as if it was mine. Everything we have is a gift from God. Right. We're making an idol out of that stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, that's right. That's exactly right. That's a, it's a first commandment issue, isn't it? You know, that we fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And here, what are they saying? We love our place. We don't want to give that up. We don't want to have that removed. And so they're seeking to overthrow Jesus. Okay, so if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe him, and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. So they're afraid of the Romans. That's the first commandment issue, right? And they love their place and their nation more than they love Jesus. Okay, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. True enough. <laughs> Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people not that the whole nation should perish. Now, here's, here's, this is just, all right. 
He's high priest that year. He is prophesying as a priest, and he doesn't know what he's saying. He's right, but he's not right in how he means it. (laughs) He means, let's just get rid of Jesus, and everything will be okay. But what he says is actually exactly right. It is better that one man should die for the people. And that's exactly God's plan. That's exactly what Jesus has come to do. That he will die for the people so that you shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, right? <laughs> so it's, it's, just, it's this wonderful thing where you go, oh, well, he's the high priest and he's actually speaking God's word and he doesn't know what he's saying. And we'll get, we're going to see that more as we continue in, in John here. Okay. Verse 51, he did not say this of his own accord, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day, they made plans to put him to death. So what is Jesus' plan? Not just, not just the nation of Israel, but all nations. Right? For God so loved the world. So Jesus is not Savior for certain types of people, certain ethnicities, certain you know, uh, demographics, for all people. All people. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but he went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And there... He stayed with the disciples. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many people went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. <laughs> right. The plot thickens, right? So, uh, so they, they're all going to Jerusalem because here comes the Passover. John introduces this you know, wonderfully here, right? Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Well, man, he's saying more than just the Passover, He's not saying just that remembrance of the Passover. He's saying the, the capital P Passover that we've been anticipating, has, it, it was at hand. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here is the, the Lamb of God whose blood now causes the judgment of God to pass over his people. That's what is at hand. Not just that remembrance of what God did so many years ago. Um, and now the people are kind of looking around going, well, is he going to come? Is he going to be here? Is Jesus going to show up? Yeah, he'll show up. <laughs> All right. Thoughts, comments, questions? All right. Well, let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for the opportunity to again, again spend time in your word and to be reminded that Jesus has power even over death, and that 
when we die trusting in him, well, death is not the end, uh, but resurrection life awaits. We thank you that though we mourn, and we rightly mourn, we do not mourn as those who have no hope, but as those who have the sure hope of resurrection life in Christ. We look forward to that day of resurrection when our Loved ones who have died trusting in Christ will be raised from death to life when our own bodies will be made perfect and we will live with you for eternity, body and soul together in the new heavens and the new earth. We give thanks that we got a glimpse of that resurrection power from Jesus as he raised Lazarus from death to life. Uh, And we pray that that same word of God would go out from us into the world and and do its work. That same word of God that has the power to raise the dead, that it would uh, break through hardened hearts and uh, bring to repentance those who need to come to faith, who have not yet come to faith. Uh, We thank you for that word that continues to speak to us today, reviving us, comforting us, and bringing to us that powerful salvation that Jesus won for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.